welcome to this week's episode of The Exercise Engineer. This week I'm going to be talking to you guys about Hyrox. Now if you've not heard of Hyrox, it's a global competition that combines both running and functional workout stations. It's like a, it's like a big competition all over the world. Uh, you can sign up on your own in partners, there's men's, there's women's, there's pros. It's quite huge. So if you've not heard of it, that's fine. It's probably not all over your Instagram like it is on mine. Um, but exciting news, I've signed up. Or at least I am signing up this weekend. Uh, let's hope we've still got place. But yes, me and Sophie have signed up to do it as doubles. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be hard work, but I just wanted to like sort of talk you through the process, explain what the actual competition is, what the race includes, the different exercises, and the approach that I'm gonna take to training. And if you wanted to also get involved, how you can go about doing that. So the layout of the competition is a one meet one kilometer run followed by a functional workout station. And then you run again, and then you do another functional workout, and then another run, workout, run, workout, times eight. So in total, you do about eight kilometers of running, uh, plus the little bits in between, and then you've got eight different functional workout stations. So the different stations are a one kilometer ski erg. If you've not seen the ski erg, it's the one that you pull down um, you pull down the ropes in light. I, I, I can't describe it like skiing at all. In fact, as a competent skier myself, I don't recall ever doing this motion during skiing. However, it is called the ski erg. I think it's supposed to replicate when you're on the flat and you're pushing yourself along, in which case there's no skiing involved. You are simply pushing yourself along the snow. However, I digress. Um, so one kilometer on that. And if you are in doubles, that's where you can, you split that up between your pair. So it's not one kilometer each. I'm pretty sure you can split that up and you can split it up however you want. So if you've got one partner that's more dominant on the ski erg, they can take the majority of that and the other one can save their energy. So it's, it's very tactical as well, because the next one then is a 50 meter sled push. That's obviously got a lot of weight attached to it. I'm pretty sure it's like 150 kg. I'm going to really ruin the numbers there. I've not analysed the numbers too much yet, um, but I can I can look in. I'm going to obviously look into those when it gets more intense with my training. Then you've got a 50 metre sled pull. The next one, in between all of these, remember you've got your one kilometre run. Then you've got burpee broad jumps. I mean, I do a lot of burpees anyway, so maybe the jumping forwards, that might kill me off in between the runs. Then you've got a one kilometer row between the partners, a 200 meter farmer's carry. So that's carrying a kettlebell in each hand and moving as quickly as you can with them. A hundred meter sandbag lunges. So that's with a, I think it's a 20 kg sandbag on your shoulders and you lunge and walk forward for 100 metres. I thought that was 75, maybe not. And then 75 wall balls is the last workout station, which is like you squat down, hold in a ball, and you throw it up, you hit the target, you catch it, you squat back down. You've got to do that 75 times between your partners. And the runs take place usually around like the perimeter 
of the big warehouse that you're in. And the issue with that is you've got to take note of how many laps you've done. So in my research, a lot of people say, make sure you take notes of how many laps you've done on the outside because it's not always a one kilometer loop. Often you'll have to do like two or three different loops of the same lap. So make sure you're counting. These are like top tips if you're actually going to compete in this race. Race? Race? Oh my God, how many times did I just say that wrong? Race. Crikey. Um, and I think this all comes down to your preparation. So you've got to prepare well for this. I don't think it's one of those things that you just rock up and do. Absolutely not. Like, I've read a lot, like, if you are into your fitness already, you probably do have the fitness standards to be able to turn up tomorrow and complete it. But if you want to do it well and you want to get a good time and you want to make sure you're not penalised for any of the incorrect movements, then I definitely recommend that you prepare well and you practice, practice, practice. Like really double down on the technique for the things like the ski erg and the row because you're highly going to benefit from the energy efficiency. If you get your technique right on the pull of those, you're going to be able to generate a lot more power and therefore the time will go down quicker. It's not like you've got to do it for a certain amount of time, it's distance. So you want each pull of the ski erg or pull on the row to be maximized pretty much. You want that to get as far as you can in each pull. So you need to really maximize your efficiency when it comes to these things. Um, definitely practice with your partner before, like because you can break it up however you want to. So between your partner on the day, make sure you've practiced like things like changeovers and you know how you're breaking it up because things like changeovers, you might not think about them, but if you're spending five, 10 seconds on the changeovers, you're massively increasing your time. And it's, it's, it's a race at the end of the day. You want to get as, as small a time as possible. Um, you need to be able to make sure you can do eight times one kilometers. So when it comes to the running, I think people panic about the exercises instead of the runs or vice versa. Sometimes people are much stronger at the exercises and then they panic about the runs, but you need to like, whether you're good at running or not, the thing that is going to panic me the most is running with fatigued legs, like getting your body used to being uncomfortable and like pounding the pavement. Like I want to be running that at like a 420 pace. That needs to, like, if not quicker, like, yes, when it comes to the running, you can practice with some slower sessions, but you need to be practicing at race pace at like small, small interval sessions because you need to practice compromised running, which is like your legs are going to be so fatigued, especially after those lunges, the burpee broad jumps. The ski erg, maybe not so much. The row, if you're doing good, good technique, you use your quads a lot. So you need to really make sure you practice running on compromised legs because after running, running after a hundred meters of lunges is going to feel very, very different to running one kilometer on totally fresh legs. Um, so yeah, you've got to really, really pace yourself. I think this is going to be one of my main tips along with good preparation. Make sure you have got a plan in place. You want to be able to pace yourself. Like, I think this, even if Irox, 
you, you don't want to sign up for High Rocks this year. But I think this, in terms of any race, is going to be beneficial advice because it's so easy to go out way too quick. I did this in my last marathon. I set off at like a 4.30 pace for the London Marathon. What was I thinking? What? Like, what on earth was I thinking? You need to pace yourself. So you need to get the runs in High Rocks as consistent as possible. So the first one might be a little bit quicker anyway because you are fresh and you sort of want to get ahead of the pack. Um, but when it comes to the actual consistency of the race, because you could go run, exercise, run, exercise, run, exercise, even though you're going to get more and more fatigued on those runs, you want to keep those as consistent as possible. In my research, the best people, the people that get the best times in High Rocks, remain at a very, very consistent pace for the runs and they don't go out ridiculously hot. Like the first one was always quickest, but you looked at like the second and third run and compared to the last one, it wasn't that different. Like the people coming first, you're looking at about a 4.20, 4.30 pace consistently over the board. So super duper important that you pace yourself. Like I would even plan in like running a simulation in the gym before comp day. I think that would be highly beneficial. Um, and try and sort of like compare your 5k running pace to the pace that you're going to want to run high rocks in. I don't, maybe, maybe potentially slower or maybe faster. I don't know. This is where I'm going to have to update you in a few months when training is well underway. Um, because we're still, still dabbling with the idea. I just wanted to explain how I'm going to approach all of this. Um, one of the things I did read as well is between the runs and the exercises is the place called the rocks zone, which is like the run, like the bits between the runs and the functional areas. You're running an, up to like an extra 700 meters, I think it says. And it says don't slow down in your rock zone because that's where people slow down loads and you think, oh, it's fine, I can chill because I'm not on the running track or at the exercise, but it all goes towards your final time. So keep up the speed between the runs and the exercises. I think one of the best, like the best partners have really, really good communication. Like I was doing a bit of research on the one, was it Manchester 24? Megan and Lucy Davis came first and they're sisters. So their communication will be on point. You need to communicate with your partner the whole time. The whole time. You need to let each other know if you're struggling or you need them to sub in, how you're feeling. Like, yes, you might practice it down to an absolute T, so you don't need to communicate on the day. But if you're having an off day or your partner's having an off day, you need to know. You need to know these things. And the teams that usually have the best time, have been training hard together for months and they understand each other's strengths and weaknesses. So they understand who's going to really fatigue on certain bits. And it's, it's like linking it up, understanding who's better at what is who goes straight into the exercise after the run and who's doing the run straight after the exercise. Like that will be 
game changing. If you get that wrong, that could that could be a lot of time you're wasting there. If you're putting your your not necessarily your weakest person, but like, do you want the best runner on the exercises last so they come so they're not as energized for the actual run because you've got to run one kilometer together. You can't split off and one of it, one of you sprint it. You can't, you can't do that. Uh, you've got to run, you've got to do the whole thing together. Um, and it says, because it, it's inside. So obviously you've got to, you've got to be prepared to sweat quite profusely. Like I'm a sweaty person anyway. Everyone knows it. If you follow me on Instagram, you will know how much I sweat. It's, I, I post it every day and I have no shame. I'm a sweaty person, but I'm going to be extra sweaty doing this because it's inside and you're in a room full of people working out and spectating. Like there's a lot of people in that room. So you need to really make sure you are prepared for sweat. Make sure you've got your chafing down, your hydration down, your fueling. Do you need one of my top tips? Um, Vaseline in the eyebrows. So good. You don't want your forehead sweat dripping off into your eyes. So really, really crucial to make sure you know that you're about to sweat a load, a load. And also footwear seems to be um, a thing. Sorry, I feel like I'm jumping from one thing to the next, but this is just everything that I've sort of learned on my research in preparation for starting this training block. Um, footwear, you need to make sure you are training in the same footwear that you're probably going to use on the day. Make sure you've tied them up properly. You want probably non-slip shoes um, not necessarily running shoes. I know there's a lot of running involved, but I think I'd rather have less of a running shoe style and more of a stability shoe because you want maximum stability for the things like the walking lunges. You don't want to be thrown off by too much padding under your running trainers. So you want, I think, quite a flat shoe or like one in between. Like you definitely get CrossFit shoes. Um, but maybe they're, maybe you don't want, you don't want heavy lifting shoes. You want more of like a, a hybrid shoe. <laughs> this is going to be a TBC and we'll find out more information on that one. I think, um, if you are listening to this and it's before August, let me know what shoe you would recommend for something like Hyrox and I will share with you all. Um, Definitely understanding the movement standards. So I've done turf games before and it's definitely something that will catch you out if you do it wrong. So what I mean by a movement standard is for a wall ball, for example, you will have to squat down to a certain depth and then thrust it up in a, in probably not a certain way, but as long as the ball hits the target and then you catch it, that will be a standard for that. Whereas you can't not do a rep if, I mean, you, I mean, okay, let me describe that differently. You will get a no rep if you do the movement slightly wrong or you don't reach the certain standard for that. So for example, I'm not going to use the wall ball again, but if you don't squat deep enough, you will get a no rep. Maybe for the lunges, you've got to have the sandbag on your shoulders, or I think at least, I think you do. I think that must be the easiest way to do it. That's why people do it. But you've got to have your knee to the ground. I get asked a lot, actually, when I put question boxes up on Instagram, 
when you're doing lunges, do you need to put your knee to the ground? And it's like, well, no, not on a daily basis. It's good to practice the full range of motion. And you know you've hit full range if your knee does touch the floor. But you don't need to for everyday use. Just in competitions, they will give you a no rep if you don't fully lunge like and put your knee to the ground. Same with the burpee broad jumps. I think they're very specific about that because you've got to bring your feet to your hands and you can't just throw your hands in front. So what I mean by that is you go down into a burpee, your hands are on the floor. When you jump your feet back in, they've got to be in line with your hands before you then jump forward. And then when you put your hands down, you've got to put your hands right where your feet are. You can't like shimmy it forward without doing the burpee jump. Um, so it's not uncommon at all for the judges to call a no rep in the middle of high rocks. And I'm not being funny, you don't want to get a no rep from rushing the movement too much because having to do another one is going to really jeopardise your time, especially if you do a few wrong. Um, just make sure you are doing your reps to the full standard. And I would definitely memorise the order as well because then it's easier to find your way around. I'd like to think... It's really well signposted and that you're not just running around like a headless chicken. I don't, I don't, I can't fully picture it. I, I, I need to go, I've seen loads and loads of videos, but obviously it's always like broken up. Um, so I definitely would like to go watch one before I do mine. Um, the one we're looking at doing is the Brisbane one, uh, but there is a Sydney one before in July. Um, so I don't know. I didn't know whether to do that one as well, but July's the same month as the marathon, so that's probably not going to go well, especially if I do hurt myself. I won't want to be doing high rocks two weeks later. We'll see. We'll see. But yes, definitely memorise the order just in case it's easier to find your way around, and then you're also mentally preparing for it. And if you have practised enough and you've got your plan down to a T, the order should be relatively straightforward for you. Um, as I said at the start, you want to be keeping track of your laps because I can imagine once you're on like, if it's, for example, if it's four laps every, every 1K you've got to do, I can imagine by the time you've done, like you're on your 33rd lap, you're like, oh my God, what lap are we on here? I can imagine it's extremely easy to forget the number of laps you've completed. Um, so a good tip for this, I think, would be to note the time that you start running and know the average time that you should be spending on each run or on each lap. So you know what sort of time you should be finishing your run. So then when you, when you do finish, it'll be really obvious if you've done it way quicker than you should have done. Then you'd be like, oh no, we've got one more lap to do. More annoying, I think, if you don't, if you do an extra lap, because they won't take that off you, but they will penalise you if you skip a lap. Um, I think, like any race, I would avoid last-minute panic. So exactly the same advice if you are doing a marathon or any form of event ever. Get to the venue with plenty of time to spare. You do not want to be panicking trying to attach your time chip to your ankle or panicking that the toilet queue is ridiculously long 
you've not pre-fueled properly. Um, you, the last thing you want to be doing is panicking as you are running to the start line. You don't want to be doing that, trust me. It's not fun. I've been standing in a toilet queue before a marathon before, looking at the time thinking, I'm supposed to be setting off in eight minutes and I'm still in the toilet queue and then I still have my jumper and everything on me and then I've got to go give that to my parents, finish my banana and then it's like, oh my God, I'm down to two minutes. It is one of the most stressful things ever. You do not want to miss your start time or like you, you just don't want to be panicked before. So that is advice for absolutely anything. Just don't panic. Do not panic on the day. But obviously that that's well in advance because I want you to get it booked. If you're even considering it, I think you should get it booked. Get it booked with me. It's a one-off thing. Enjoy yourself on the day. Like, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Yes, it's going to be hard. That is one thing I can guarantee because you can make it as hard as you as you want on the day, obviously, but it's it's timed. So obviously it'd be good to be able to complete, but it's one of those things that if you want a good time, you're going to be really pushing it and you're going to you're going to want to smash it on the day and push yourself to the limit just to sort of see what you're made of. So if you have trained well, you have done the majority of the hard work. On the day, you've just got to sit with it. Sit with it and dig deep for about an hour and just absolutely smash it. And that's where your training will come in because if you have practiced being comfortable with being uncomfortable, you will be absolutely fine on the day. It's the people that don't are just walking into the unknown and they were a bit like, oh yeah, I can I can run that and I can do wall balls. No. Can you do it all while being timed back to back and continuous pain? Like, yes, you're there with your partner, so you do get breathers in between, but honestly, get comfortable being uncomfortable and that goes for anything. That goes for a marathon. Like, you are going to be, it's, it's uncomfortable. Anything where you are pushing yourself Anything that's worth doing is going to be hard work. So you need to just get comfortable with it. And the sooner you get comfortable with that feeling of discomfort, the easier you'll find the training, even though it'll be super hard. But at least you are getting prepared mentally for it. And that's really, really important. I think when it comes to marathons as well, like the hard work is usually done by that point. And you do just have to like, not grin and bear it, but it's hard on the day, but the, the, the cheers, the audience, the, the crowds, like they, they will keep you going. So don't worry too much about the actual day. And if you've put enough into your preparation, you should be absolutely fine. And I'm repeating this over and over again because I'm repeating it to myself as well. Um, it is quite a nerve-wracking thing. I think, for me, the most nerve-wracking thing is people expect me to do well. And that that just adds another level of pressure, I think. And it's not, it's not me being like, all, like a bit of a sob story. I'm not saying that at all. Like, I've brought that upon myself from posting everything that I do. Um, but it does add that next level of pressure that people 
whenever it comes to things to do with fitness and sport and competitions and races and running and lifting, I am assumed to absolutely smash it and do very well. Um, so announcing that I'm doing it is quite, um, quite a big deal because now people are watching. And now this is where the accountability kicks in and it's like, ooh, hoo, hoo, let's go, let's go. Um, so yeah, this is, um, it's nerve wracking. But this is going to be my training going forward. I just wanted to run through with you what I'm going to be putting myself through for the next bit, about 20 weeks, maybe slightly more. Depends when you're listening to this podcast, really. Um, but we've got May, I've got a half marathon. July, we've got Gold Coast Marathon. And then August is High Rocks. So marathon training is going to be at the forefront. Going to be doing lots of runs, lots of strength training. But there's definitely going to be an element of High Rocks that I'm going to be ticking off every single week. So my... A, a, a standard week for me going forward is going to be my five 30-minute strength slash hit sessions that I film for my six-week challenges. Um, yes, they are hard. Um, they will get the heart rate going. That's going to also help with building my strength and my hit capacity. Like, they are quite intense mini workouts, Like, the, but they're only half an hour. So absolutely doable to be doing five of those a week. Um, then on top of that, I'm going to be doing three to four runs per week. Um, at the moment, I was trying to work out how many I'm doing. And I think it might be about three. By the time I do a bit of a run on Sunday, I do a long run Saturday. I do Murph on Fridays, which is only... That's, that's two times one mile. Um... And then Run Club. Oh, no, Run Club on Monday and Wednesday. Oh, so maybe I, I'm running four times already at the moment. Yeah, we're going to stick to four times. I don't think I want to increase that, but I might be rearranging um, what I do for each of those sessions. So instead of doing two of the Run Clubs per week, um, well, they're all Run Clubs that I go to at the moment, I might need to sub one of those out for a marathon-specific interval training session. Um, I would like to get back on the track and do some more tempo interval sessions there. Um, that would be really fun. So one of those runs is going to be a long run. That's going to be like a 20k. Not sure um, if it's going to go. It's not going to go much higher than that for the meantime. I don't want to injure myself. So we're going to stick around the 20k mark once a week and then one of those runs as well is going to be a speed session where we're sort of running max speed for one kilometer and then really trying to practice the specific movements. So I want to do one functional training session per week, which is to really practice those specific movements that we need to do. So like moving with the farmer's carry at pace, the walking lunges with a weight on our back, um, burpee broad jumps, making sure we are getting the standard down, uh, wall balls, trying to get our technique down on the ski erg and the row. Like there's so much to practice with that 
I think one one functional training session a week is going to be ample amounts. Um, I think just like an example workout might be, it's not going to be so like majorly intense and it might just be like an, a finisher at the end of a strength session that I do, but it could be like a 30 minute AMRAP of, AMRAP stands for as many rounds as possible within the 30 minutes. So you would do like a 500 meter run, maybe into a hundred meter farmer's carry into another 500 meter run into a hundred meters of weighted lunges. And then you repeat that for 30 minutes and see how many rounds of that you can get in. Um, it would be, a, yeah, workout similar to that. I don't want to be doing much more than 30 minutes on top of what I'm already doing. So I'm not, I'm not talking about a full hour and a half functional training session. That would be absolutely ridiculous on top of everything that I'm already doing. But I do need to get some functional specific training into my plan alongside the marathon training, which also needs to start being more specific very, very soon. Um, yeah, this is, this is going to be wild. I can't wait to show you all what I end up doing. Um, obviously I will be sharing it on Instagram. Um, practicing things like the transitions between your partners, like especially on the skier, like you don't want to just be in the mud because then your partner's got to reach for them. It's more ideal to pass them, pass the little handles to them, uh, making sure when you get off the rower, you're helping your partner into the rower. I think it's things like that that would really make difference in the time. So really practicing the transitions, um, all of this, all of my training going forward will be shared with my six-week challenges. Um, it's obviously my own fault for choosing a marathon and high rocks within a month of each other. So I don't expect all of my clients to start bashing out all of these workouts, but I want them all to be there and readily available for them if they want to start doing that as well. So in their check-ins, this could either be one-to-one -one or just my six-week challenges as well. Um, they are, they're all in the app if they wanted to dabble with a few of those, especially on a weekend when I've not allocated them a workout. If they want to do an extra one, that's absolutely fine. It's all in the app already. Um, so all of my challenges, all my clients, all my one-to-ones will have access to the workouts that I'm doing. Um, but again, I will not be expecting them all to match all of the workouts, runs, and the functional stuff. It is slightly ridiculous. And I'd like to think my body has been relatively accustomed to it over years and years of training, but we'll soon find out. And I feel like with high rocks, um, most of the research showed that eight to 12 weeks of specific training is more than enough. Um, especially if you've got a baseline fitness already. Uh, if you've been doing my workouts for a while, you will definitely have a good baseline fitness. So you, you'd be absolutely fine with doing high rocks. Just make sure you get the actual exercises down. You get your technique down, you know, your transitions and obviously everything like that. Um, I just think you need to work out what your strengths and weaknesses are. So sooner rather than later, make sure you've tried all the different exercises because I know there's quite a few. Well, there's a, it seems like there's only eight, but I feel like that would still 
one could really throw you off. If you are really, really terrible at one of them, that is going to really slow you down and your time will be really skewed. So really double down on your weaknesses. I was going to say double down on your strengths as well to make your strengths even better. But I think at the end of the day, your weaknesses are going to slow you down more than trying to perfect your strengths an extra 1% will actually increase. So improving your weaknesses from, let's say, 20% efficiency to 60% efficiency, it might still be a weakness, but you've just in improved by 40%. Whereas your strength, you might be at 85% for wall balls. There's no real point doubling down on that strength to get it to 90% because that's only a 5% increase. Does that make sense? Am I making sense there? I'm not sure. Um, but yes, I would definitely focus on those. Communicate with your partner and break it up how you want to, remember? Um, you can go mixed for this, by the way, but I'm pretty sure the girls have to do the male weights if you go for a mixed weight, like weight category. Um, so... Just remember that, girlies, if you are partnering up with a male, you will have to do the male weights. Um, doable. I've had a look at them. They are still doable. But, for example, the farmers carry, instead of the women's being 16 kg in each hand, it's 24 kg in each hand, which seems quite a jump, I think, to be running with two of those in your hands and... Trying to run with an extra 48 kg. Oh, oh, no, no, that sounds absolutely horrendous. And um, on that note, forward this to anyone who's thinking about doing high rocks, who wants to see if it's going to be absolutely doable. Make sure you are following the story on Instagram. I'm going to do a highlight reel for it, I think. And if you want to get involved with High Rocks, it's not too late to join my six-week challenge, although this comes out on a Wednesday. We will have started on the Monday, but if you're like, ah, no, didn't know about it, even though I talk about it every week, <laughs> plug it, then if you do want to get involved and you want access to the workouts that I'm doing specific for High Rocks, I can build that into your six-week plan. If you want one-to-one -one guidance on it, that's absolutely fine. I think I have two spaces available for one-to-one -one. so give me a shout if you want any of those forward it to one person you think might be interested in listening to this about high rocks forward it to the partner that you want to train with for high rocks that would be cool and then you can start training together you can join the challenge and we can all train together and do the same thing if you are in sydney slash bondi if you want to get a high rock session in with me drop me a message on instagram i would be happy to mix up my training to do a little bit of a high rocks functional training session and vice versa with all with, with all the runs as well just let me know if you ever want to join me um well then guys i hope you enjoyed that it's a little bit different i'm not giving you much day-to-day -day advice in that just more of like a rundown on high rocks and the big hype behind it if you haven't heard of it look into it it looks wild Honestly, wow, it looks so cool. So have a little look, see what you think, and then come back to me. If you want to join the challenge quickly, uh, I'll give you till the end of the day, really. 
Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday at a push. That would be taking the mix slightly, but you never know when you're listening to this. Um, just message me saying, hi, I listen to the podcast. I want to do it. Yeah, anyway. I'm going to love you and leave you there, guys. Thank you so, so much for listening. Remember, please like, subscribe, review. It makes such a huge difference, more than you could ever know. And please forward to one person you think might benefit from listening to this. Thank you so much and I'll see you next week. Bye.